0: Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bu. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm joined by my two
1: co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Star News, and I definitely thought you were going to say DC there. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: I'm and I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker, still in the DC area. I haven't been on the podcast in about a month. Welcome back, Willoughby. Uh, so today we are talking about. A boxing franchise. Creed 2. We're going to review Creed 2. So, Creed 2 is no longer directed by Ryan Coogler. We thought when Creed came out, that he was going to do it. But then he he got he hit it big with Black Panther. And he's uh, doing that. So he was not able to. to uh, direct, Creed, r- direct or write. Creed 2. Um, but it's directed by Stephen Caple Jr. And the screenplay is by. Sylvester Stallone. You may have heard of him. And uh, oh. Chio Fidari Coker. Who uh, wrote for. He was the showrunner for uh, Luke Cage. Um, oh cool. And it stars. Creed 2 stars uh, Michael B. Jordan. As the Chiller Creed. Creed. Um, Sylvester Stallone reprising his probably the the most iconic boxing role of all time. Oh, yeah. Balboa. Um, uh, What's his face? Is in it as well. His name is Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago. Ivan, I must break you, Drago. And then um, it also stars a man with a very long name. As Victor Drago. Let me pull that up.
1: Also Tessa Thompson. And Tessa, and Tessa Thompson, Thompson, of course. Who is
0: a babe. Cannot and,
2: forget Tessa Thompson.
0: And gets much more to do in this movie, too, which is exciting.
1: She does. It's great. <clears throat>
2: um, um, His name is Florian Montenu.
1: And he's like an actual boxer, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I believe so. If not a boxer, he is a man with a very ripped body who could probably crush me in a heartbeat.
1: I feel like he is, like, an athlete of some, like, in, like, yeah. that's his profession. Well, um, I, I mean, hot take. I think he did pretty well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As an actor. So what's so, the story about uh, Willoughby?
2: So, if you guys remember from Creed 1, he was not the heavyweight champion at the end of the movie. However, at the very beginning, and this is not spoilers, like, the, the opening sequence is Creed 2. He just, like, knocks the dude out and becomes the world heavyweight champion of the world. That's a redundant title. The heavyweight champion of the world. Um, He's got a baby on the way. He's engaged to Tessa Thompson. And his life seems pretty good until... The Cold War is back.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And the Dragos come back uh, with a vengeance. And that is kind of the main crux of the movie. It's about history coming back and grappling with ghosts from your past... Um, And we're going to talk about all of that in our Millennial Movie Review. But before we get into the review, we have the first ad from our sponsors.
2: The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by Boxing. Let's get ready to rumble. Boxing, from the makers of Punching.
0: Well, that was a great, really on theme ad. Yeah, our, our yeah. ads are so on point. I know. Well, um,
2: like, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm. I'm. So this is a great boxing movie, and it's a solid Rocky sequel. But I will say, in my first, like, short spoiler. Yeah, what are your impressions? Yeah, my first spoiler-free impression of Creed Two is that while it's a solid Rocky sequel, it's not. As good as the first creed, um, and I think Ryan Coogler's absence is a major part in that. His absence is keenly felt not just in you know the script, which in this case is much more on the nose than the last one. I felt like they lost a little bit of the subtlety of Ryan Coogler's script in the first from the first creed, and even I think in Michael B. Jordan's performance, which while still good, kind of lacks that I don't know electricity that I remember feeling in the first film, and um. I think when he, when Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler work together, they're just so good and they have such a great rapport that it brings out the best in Michael B. Jordan. And uh, here, while he's, like, good and he does get to tackle his own, um, Creed's own sense of like pride and you know and masculine pride and everything like that it doesn't feel quite as um powerful as the first film but I still thought it was great it was uh it was an enjoyable fun boxing film inspirational good rocky sequel hits all the right melodramatic emotional points it does give Tessa Thompson more to do and I also love the Dragos to bits honestly the the parts, the scene sealers for this film for me were Dolph Lundgren, and um, the actor who played his son, uh, Victor Drago, who I also can't pronounce, but he was great. And I loved their like little arc that goes on there, and it kind of is a really good um, continuation of what we saw in Rocky IV, which I have to admit I haven't like seen all the way. I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but if you remember from Rocky IV, that's the the movie where we are introduced to um Ivan Drago and where he kills Apollo a uh, yeah Apollo Apollo, Creed, Apollo mm-hmm. Creed in the ring and is like the main driving factor for this film. So they we get a continuation of that but we get to get to expand more into their um family dynamic and Victor Drago's very twisted relationship with his father but one that is based off of needing a sense of mutual affection. And it's really good. I, I just, I love the Drago's guys. They're so sweet. <laughs> um, Anya, what are your thoughts on Creed Two?
1: I pretty much agree entirely with you. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I agree it didn't have that kind of spark that the first one had. That being said, I really love the idea of um, Ryan Coogler, like using the movie that he made in the first place and like using his own fame to kind of like help prop up new director and kind of giving another director of color like another like a chance and like you know you take this and do your thing um and I thought the directing was good um definitely very solid um but yeah I really enjoyed it I think for me this movie really excelled in its exploration of masculinity um and especially the way that it could like dispel some of like the more like toxic masculinity tropes Um, especially with Adonis, like, as the character he is, um, and I am also with you, I love the Drago so much, and I love their arc, and I love the arc of father and son, and affection, and kind of realizing what's important in life, um... I yeah, we'll talk about them. But I also have a lot of feelings about the Dragos, which I was not expecting. I
0: know. I got that's the part that made me emotional. I just, same. I wasn't really invested in Adonis this time around, but the Dragos, I was like, give me more. Same, same. So yeah, pretty Willoughby. much with you on that one. Yeah. Well, um, Willoughby, What are your thoughts on Creed two?
2: Um, I liked it. I thought it was a solid sequel however it did not surpass it in any way um because i think that creed as a movie is such lightning in a bottle it like you know a star making performance in both ryan coogler as a director and as michael b jordan as a as an actor and sylvester stallone as like bringing rocky back to a sense of like he's always been like the normal guy but like this like to a normal guy who has like lived past the the height of fame and all that, and it's you know it was so, such an interesting like retrospective on Sylvester Stallone's career and Rocky Balboa as a character and like the fact that in universe he's a superstar and like the the Rocky statue is like a real Rocky statue in the universe of Rocky, um, and in this and and also the 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 heartbreaking cancer arc that he goes through, which is sort of not talked about at all in this movie except for a very brief mention that he beat it um which is great and he's in the creed 2 but like at the end of it there was really no like uh you know you I, i i thought rocky was gonna die at the end of creed 1 and i thought he was gonna die in this one so like creed 3 he like probably will um
0: I yeah, he's, he's has the said, mentor. Yeah, Rocky oh not Rocky, um, Slovakius alone has said that this it will be his, his quote unquote last rodeo for the Rocky franchise. So it's possible that this may be the last we'll see of him and or we'll we'll see him briefly in the next Creed.
2: Right. Like so that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So with Creed two, I was expecting and I knew going in it was gonna be about the Dragos coming back for vengeance for uh Rocky winning and also, uh, to, like, I don't well, I guess it, it's the, the manager dude, the sports, um, guy, who, like, it, who, like, b- kind of manipulates both the Dragos and, uh, Adonis into fighting each other, um, and so, you know, before that, I, I feel like, you know, Adonis, I probably didn't even know that Victor Drago existed as a character, to, to, like, face like he obviously knows the story of how his father died and so this is an interesting look at how boxing creates narratives around boxers as well as the actual family drama that that is happening between the Balboa Creed and Drago families and so like it's a very interesting movie i would say it does not capture the same lightning in the same bottle but i will say that the last fight was very very powerful and emotionally taxing and i really liked the ending of the movie and i thought it was a very solid movie i just think that creed had so many amazing moments throughout that coalesced into an amazing movie on legacy and uh creating your own legacy as well as honored honoring the past and moving forward in the future which this movie tries to do the same um a little bit more on the nose i think Mm -hmm. uh i feel like you know there is mention of apollo a lot and his face is shown a lot in in move in like old footage or um on the uh on the delphi uh gym but i think creed was very it handled it well and this one kind of handles it a little bit a little bit larger than life, I would say. But these movies have always been larger than life, so mm. uh, which
0: is why it feels more like a Rocky sequel than a Creed sequel.
2: Exactly, and it feels like a sequel to Rocky Four instead of a sequel to Creed. But still, nonetheless, like I'm gonna rewatch it when it comes down Blu-ray.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well then let's dive into the spoiler parts of our reviews and, uh, ta- and individually tackle, you know, the plot, the themes, the characters. Um, let's first talk about the characters cuz I do want to get to the Dragos. <laughs> we'll see the Dragos for last though. Let's talk about Okay. Let's talk about Adonis and um, and Bianca first actually. Let's talk this do Adonis. And um I uh, I'll kick things off by saying that we do see one of the more interesting um depictions of like Anya was saying, toxic masculinity in just the Rocky franchise in general, which in this movie, because Rocky has always been about lauding that kind of, um, you know, old rugged American masculinity over that showboaty type of, of masculinity we see in like, you know, with uh, a creed in the first film in the in the first rocky like apollo in the first film. Right. So, it's really interesting here how we how it plays so deeply into how Adonis Creed sees himself in the world because he for, throughout the film he says I don't feel like the heavyweight champion. I don't think I deserve this. And when he loses or get when he like wins by disqualification uh over I over Victor Drago in the first fight, he like laps laps into this big dep- this great depression um, that has to do with his pride and the way that he is just kind of um, sees like winning as an extension of his own masculinity. And it's so interesting to me that it is not afraid of showing that vulnerability in this character. Or to uh, show
2: that it's a flaw in his mm -hmm, character. Exactly. To point out that this is wrong.
0: Yeah. And um, it's something that he, you know, his mom says that he, puts himself into and he can only get himself out. I do wish that the woman had, could, could have given, been given more to do than just wait around and be like, oh, he can only help himself and we can only support him and stuff because it feels very much like they're still waiting on the sidelines. But um, uh, his mom does call Rocky over to try to snap him out of it and everything. And it's all very, it's not about tough love in any sense. It's more about just kind of getting him to help himself which I liked. And yeah, it's not afraid of being emotional and vulnerable and um, definitely something that Adonis has to just kind of figure out and tackle on his own.
1: Yeah. It's really a simple thing, but like, I love the fact that Adonis cries in this movie Mm. Um, because men should be allowed to cry. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, there's the added layer also of like Adonis as a black man and, the way society treats black men and masculinity. Um, And, you know, the fact that boxing is, like, an aggressive profession um, in which you are, like, physically assaulting someone. um, And, you know, how that can translate. Um, But the fact that we see Adonis, you know, be vulnerable and cry and, you know, express his emotions, I think is really powerful one of the things that just sticks with me a lot is when he's watching their daughter um, while uh, Bianca's like recording and he ends up taking their daughter to the um like the boxing uh, studio and that scene where he just starts punching the bag and she's sitting there and it's just that very intimate moment between like father and daughter and Adonis like channeling his emotions and you know kind of figuring out where to go from here um, and so I just really, I really like Adonis as a character, and I mm-hmm. like that this this franchise lets Adonis kind of express who he is and show, um, you know, what, uh, show the, how we can have, like, male characters who are not, like, representing toxic masculinity. Right, right,
0: right. Something that's very much the polar opposite of Killmonger, for example. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and he's very flawed, but he has—he's just so open and vulnerable throughout this film, and it, it's a really interesting depiction for me, especially in a Rocky film. And um, well, it's a Creed—it's the new era for Creed, and like he never was shied away from emotion in the first Creed either. I think I remember in Creed One that he had that you know single masculine tear—he cried in that film too. Um, but it wasn't quite as just like potent as it was in this one, and you know it was also him dealing with becoming a father for the first time and make, making that next step with his relationship with Bianca, which I think really played into how he's trying to navigate his adulthood and his his life as a black man who's in the spotlight for being in this really aggressive profession. It's something that he can't he's like trying to figure out that duality and everything too. One of my favorite moments in the film also is um when he is after he's finished recovering from his first fight with uh Victor Drago and he's like sitting in his car outside the gym and like you know trying to convince himself to go in and uh he like at the end he just drives away and it's it's a really it's a quiet moment from like afar but it's it's so well done in the way that it depicts like his turmoil in this scene and how he can't bring himself to move forward because he's just so paralyzed by all these fears and all of these like dichotomous things going on with him, with how he's supposed to like, um, like I guess perform masculinity in a way.
2: Yeah, because there's like a, you know everyone keeps saying that if you don't fight, if you don't fight in another boxing match soon, you'll lose, you'll you'll forfeit your title. Title, and you know there's like that that clock that that keeps on ticking. He has to make a decision of what, as what what he wants to do as. The heavyweight champion of the world, but also as a man, as Adonis
1: Creed, Donnie. Not Johnson. that he and Victor would ever actually fight because they're in two completely separate weight classes. I know classes. it is too funny. insane. That... like I like that the movie acknowledges, like it doesn't completely ignore that. It says like, oh, he's bigger than you and he is more powerful than you. Like it acknowledges how like Adonis, as a smaller, faster fighter, can like combat Victor's powerful punches. But I'm also like the boxing. Um, world would not actually allow this. Would, so yeah, this would never happen in the real life boxing world. <laughs> not it's in the a movie, oh. and there's
2: history. It's, yeah, it's all narratively acceptable, but as in, logistically, it would be like this guy who weighs like maybe two fifty wet would not face the guy who is three fifty stone dry. Like, <laughs> 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 like but, the, exactly. I thought, for, like very briefly, I was like, is that the mountain from Game of Thrones? But it was a different guy. A different mountain.
0: Yes. He is well yeah. cast. He's just so dense and huge. And, He's um, got
2: very vulnerable eyes. He does.
1: But that actually, man
2: can look at the the his mom across the table and just be so sad and so mad at his dad at
1: okay, the same time. Before we get to the Drago's, because I know H.T. and I are going like, to have a meltdown, let's talk about this- the rest of Adonis's Crew, uh, yes. Bianca and Rocky and his mom, um, and their kind of supporting roles in this film. What do you guys think of that? I really like that we got to see
0: more of Bianca in this movie. Not that she didn't have that have enough to do in the first film, but she, there was a lot more of her, and we got to see more of her and Adonis's, uh relationship here, uh, which I think that she was talking in the interview with EW about this is very rare in. A, in a movie, in, like, a major Hollywood film that we get to see right. this complex um, and, like, positive and healthy relationship between a black man and a black woman uh, that is in, like, a major Hollywood film that's not targeted just, like, towards black audiences and stuff. And, like, it, it's really – it's so amazing that you can have that and um and that it's done so well and yet still has like conflict in it because, you know, Donnie's dealing with his thing and Bianca too is dealing with her um hearing degradation and everything like that. So I, I love their relationship. I love all the shades of it. I do wish like even if she had more to do here, I wish that like it wasn't just her standing on the sidelines, but then again, it's her choice to support him and we do see like they have you know, conflict going on in that, and she said that she wasn't behind him on the first fight, but and like, they they walk through it like mature adults, and I like that a lot. Like, it's a mature right. adult relationship.
2: They don't have like a screaming match, and mm-hmm. he doesn't like leave her, or she doesn't leave him. Like, mm-hmm. they work together to come forward and like make a better relationship out of the angst and turmoil that yes. they're going through. Because, they- like, obviously, the baby wasn't planned, and moving to LA all that and it just seemed like you know they they're rolling with the punches
0: yeah they're rolling with the punches and she's she does so well too with um the whole the baby you know having a hearing and being in, hearing impaired too it's a great emotional moment that s- might feel like a little bit superfluous to the rest of the story but feels very necessary to their relationship which really is like central to this movie
1: yeah, and I have to say, just as like a personal note, I really love that <clears throat> excuse me, how this movie continued, um um the acknowledged Bianca's hearing loss, um, and the fact that it can be genetic and stuff, just because like um I think I've mentioned on the podcast before like but my mom is deaf and so like watching this movie with her and seeing Bianca kind of struggle with that was pretty emotional for us. Um and you know, like it's one of those things where it's like you watch that and it's like I don't think that they're sad that their daughter is deaf because that's not something to be sad about. Like that's mm-hmm. not doesn't make you lesser as a person, but like mm-hmm. knowing the fact that she's going to have obstacles in her life that she wouldn't otherwise have. But like clearly ones that we see she can overcome because Bianca has a successful singing career and she is, you know, a powerful, talented, capable woman, even with her own disability. Um, but I, I really like the fact that they brought that in and that they didn't just like have the baby and then, like, move on. Like, I liked that with a plot point, point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt it was very real, um, and it also just hit very close to home for me. So, I and just wanted to say I, I appreciated that.
2: I liked that Adonis was learning sign language because they were communicating in sign language a couple times. Uh, that, that was a very yeah. uh, something that Agreed. you know, kind of like it, it's a it's a character note where you're like, oh, he took the time to like learn sign language, or or is learning sign, sign language.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of, like, more, a lot of nuances, like, in this film that I appreciate like that. Um, And I did like that their arc, um, Creed and Bianca's, Creed... Adonis and and Bianca's yeah I know I just like the point of the first movie he's Creed I know I know know. it's just like I want to keep it consistent with the first name so Adonis Mm -hmm. and Creed's arc and their accepting of becoming parents is kind of uh, parallel to Rocky later you know finally coming getting closure with his son Robert um, which is kind of his main arc here and him kind of struggling with how to um, deal with having like Adonis as his sort of surrogate son, and like having left things kind of on off the table with with Robert, and wanting to reconcile it there, and then um, Mary Mary Ellen, yeah, for Adonis. I think mom. so. Yeah, Adonis' mom, Mary Ellen. I
2: think, I think so. That's right. I just know her yeah. as
0: Felicia Rashad. Felicia Rashad, <laughs> true. Is um also plays a part in that too, and kind of she in as opposed to in the first Creed is kind of more accepting of of who he is as a as a person and how he's an adult now and she does say that explicitly like you're adults now you have to work it out yourself and he has to work it out himself which i really appreciated
2: and i really appreciated that we got a lot more felicia rashad in the movie we did she was i thought she was going to be like a one and done scene like the dinner scene and that was it as like a thank you for participating in this movie felicia rashad good luck with your next endeavor but she had like a big part in the movie
0: she did i thought that was good No, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, But yeah, it was all about you know family and reconciliation and uh, trying to do and you know live up to your father's and your parents' uh, hopes. And so with that, we can segue into (laughs) (laughs) the Giragos.
2: And must break you.
0: I know. Okay. My. My son will break your boy. <laughs> they really did do it with saying "break" like a million times in this <laughs> movie. But <laughs> it's other- because Drago doesn't have a character.
2: Yes. His character is saying, "I must break you."
0: <laughs> that is his character in the first but film. But now he does
1: have a character. He does in have this a movie. character. That's what's so beautiful. It is like he he, he, ter-
2: he went he went from becoming a Russian robot to like a real human boy.
1: He
0: did. He did. He's a real human boy who's defined by loss and disappointment and uh, shame. Too. And
2: abandonment by his Soviet country.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a really interesting, I think that he is a really interesting sort of um, Hall of Mirrors parallel to Creed's own, Adonis Creed's own, like, um, struggle with his male pride and his shame. Because on the other side, you see how it it breaks – Drago, and it makes him like a, a more broken human being because he's just been worn down by the shame, and he, he, he um, basically um, channels that anger and frustration into his son.
2: Hey, you know what this movie is? What? A better version of Iron Man 2. You've got a Russian guy who in the past worked with, or in this case fought against, an American innovator. And then later, the next generation has to duke it out because of the sins of the father.
1: That's true. That's true. That, I mean, listen, Cold War parallels are apt for movie making. They're just, yes. they're so, they're so good. And-
2: you can boil everything down to
1: America versus Russia in 1985. Yeah, you really can. Um... But yeah, I agree with UHT, and like I just really love Ivan and Victor in this movie, and you know because I feel like you first see them, and it's like okay, like <clears throat> a dad who who lost, and now he's like vicariously living through his son, and pushing him and pushing him, and you know like we've seen that so many times before in movies, and you think that's all it's gonna be, and Is then that my dinner, dream, Dad, it's yours, <laughs> it's yours, um, and then you see the dinner scene. Um, which fun fact I didn't know this. My parents told me. Do you guys know that in the movie, the woman who plays Drago's ex-wife in real life is Sylvester Stallone's ex-wife? I did know this. I was reading I an didn't. interview because I was Stephen- like, "Whoa!"
0: <laughs> yeah, because that was that. Hit, her cameo is actually a last-minute addition to the movie because Steven Caple Jr. was rewriting the script and was like. Uh, I felt really awkward about asking Rocky to bring his ex-wife onto the set, but it seemed necessary to the plot and Rocky was cool with it. So, or Sly was cool with it. Sorry. Yeah. Fly. Sly. Sly.
1: Um, so yeah, so that, that scene really, for me, like changed everything. Cause when Victor and Ivan like go off to the side and have like that kind of like private conversation between them. Um, and you realize kind of where both men are coming from. Like Victor as a son is angry at these people because they see like they abandoned his father like the one person who has stuck with him his entire life like his mother walked out on them everyone else walked out on them but his father has stayed with him and yes his father pushes him but his father is still there Mm -hmm. and so like he's angry on behalf of his father and his father you know ivan i think i think it is partly vicariously living through him but i think it's also like I have experienced this this abandonment and this loss, and I don't want the same for my son. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, like, you know, there are some less-than-ideal emotions going on there, but there's also, like, true affection between the both of them. And when you see that final fight, like, all the talk of, like, throwing in the towel in this film and, like, the idea of, like, reckoning with your past and the fact that, like, Rocky didn't throw in the towel when Apollo fought Ivan, you know? So when... Ivan throws in the towel in that last fight. Oh, I was emotional. I was
0: emotional, too. Because that's like, when he, he came to terms with he he
1: loves his son more than he loves
0: that idea of winning and have, getting that, that pride back.
2: I know. He's
1: like, my son is more important to me. And that when he goes up to Victor and he, like, has his hands on his face and he's like, it's okay. Oh my God, like, I'm it's okay. Pass. he lost. And I'm like, and again, going to, like, masculinity and, like. A masculine figure telling another man like it's okay you lost it doesn't make you any less like mm. you're still powerful you're still great like I still love you and I'm just like oh my gosh this is saying so much about society and how we should be and also the Dragos are so important and I love them
2: and there's also the double layer of like oh J- Ivan Drago was like a classic 80s Russian bad guy and now he- and like you've given him humanity yeah. And anxiety, but also humanity.
0: Yeah, he is good. And, and like, Dolph you Lundgren do, you is show, good in this movie. There, you know,
2: it shows that it it takes these like sock characters and make them
0: real. Yeah, I'm a real boy.
1: I'm a real boy. This yeah, movie does that really
0: so wonderful. well. I agree, and Duff Lundgren too. I think that he. Um, throughout his career has been just kind of stuck with that character and has uh, frequently been playing sort of just drago type characters throughout his life so being able to flesh out this infamous role is is he does it so well and he gives it he lends it so much humanity too and even in when, when he's pushing his son and when he's basically bullying him it it comes out of almost a place, not just out of his own selfish pride, but out of love in a way, like you were saying, Anya. He doesn't want the same thing to happen to his son, and he wants his son to like prove everyone wrong. And but his, and his son just wants, you know, his his approval and his affection. But together they have they're such a a mass of like complex, complex complexities and um, or no complexes. That's what I meant to say. And uh, insecurities and together it's just like it's it's so interesting and so compelling and I definitely found myself wanting to, to watch more of the Dragos than to watch just Adonis being depressed even though that was very important I was like the Dragos here are just, are this, just such an interesting part of this movie I didn't expect that at all so and yeah I, at the end when they were jogging together finally equals side by side I wept Anya I wept
1: same so much weeping
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like man, this movie got us to, uh, to root for the Russians. Yeah. Dang. Like, Um, it was, it was to a point where I honestly wasn't sure who was going to win in the last fight. Like, I was like, okay, it's Hollywood movie, like, Adonis is going to win. then there was, like, a split second where I was like, what if Victor wins because they've given him this arc of, like, reclaiming, you know that pride and stuff and, like, also teaching Adonis that he doesn't have to win to, like, be a good father and a good husband and a good man. Like, I was, like, I feel like either way that fight went, it would have, like, taught a good lesson. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was genuinely, like, what if... What if Russia wins? But then it became a Hollywood movie and Russia didn't win, so it was fine. Yeah.
2: Right, because we can't have the commies taking our
0: flag. We can't. No. Uh, But I'm... I'm... Even though it did take place in a very similar situation, you know, in Russia, in their backyard, it didn't feel so much like the really patriotic, nationalistic na- Rocky Four in which, you know, Rocky defeats communism with his fists. In this case, it was just both men defeating toxic masculinity with their fists.
2: Yes, they were punching each other's toxi- toxic masculinity out
0: of the way. Yeah.
2: To make room for healthy relationships. Um also it you know it would have been a lot more like if he, like in the first fight the very first fight of the movie uh Creed's in his uh tradi- the traditional creed red white and blue uh shorts and in, at the end of the movie he's in like the same style but instead of red white and blue it's like black and gray and i thought that that was uh an interesting choice cuz it shows that he has become his own person his own man mm-hmm. He has gone, gone from being Donnie Johnson, abandoned son of Apollo Creed, to Adonis, John- Adonis Creed, his own man. <laughs> I think that I'm excited for whatever happens in Creed 3 because we're going to get a Creed 3. And I kind of hope
0: Ryan Coogler comes back for that one. Yeah, Are we for sure getting a Creed 3? It made a lot of money. I think we probably will at this point. I think
2: that there's no reason not to. I feel like, you know, because, I mean, Rocky made, they made six Rockies. I I mean, the fifth one was apparently bad, but the sixth one is also interesting. Which, speaking of the sixth one, we got Milo back in the movie.
1: Yeah, he showed up and I was like, oh. (laughs) I thought, if
2: you haven't seen Rocky Balboa, you wouldn't have known that Rocky had a son named Robert
0: well, and then he, he had was a, a boxer. Son from the first, um, the first film, and then like he gets played by Milo and Emilio in Rocky Balboa. But
2: yeah, right. Cause, well, grown up, grown Robert, up. Yeah, you know, like Robert. It, it, basically, they were trying to do Creed in the 2000s, and it didn't work out successfully, like box mm-hmm. office wise. Well,
0: he wasn't a boxer though, because he never wanted to be a boxer. He like helps train Rocky for like oh, is that that the, role? I actually yeah. Never
2: saw the movie I thought he was trying to be a boxer. No, he was. A I thought he was boxer. pushing his son to be. Uh, Actually, no. Yeah.
0: Now, I, I, early on, he never wanted to be a boxer, so he like left that life. But in that, in Rocky Balboa, he comes back and they reconcile, and he trains Rocky for that for the like a big fight. Um, uh, Rocky does train like another young guy that he like feels like a surrogate uh, yeah. father for. Yeah. But then that young guy, I can't remember who it was. It was like in Rocky Five or something. Um, Rocky Three, he like turns against Rocky and like goes to his um, his competitor, and he, Rocky has to fight him.
2: That must have. Been, I must have been mixing my uh, my plots, my Rocky plots.
0: They do get they do blend together. But yeah, I hope they, for... those,
2: you could you could
0: see that those plots are rocky. <laughs> but yeah, I hope for for Creed three that it feels more like it's less uh trying to play its uh play pay tribute to the rock the Rocky franchise and try to become its own franchise like creed felt like it was doing creed did a great job of setting this franchise in the modern day and you know while paying homage to the original franchise did feel like it was actually you know something different and something new and something so energetic uh so i hope now that with creed 3 we'll get something more along those lines rather than just like rocky four sequel he's gonna fight mr t's grandson (laughs) Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she's gonna play um, a
2: distant cousin of him of his father.
1: Yeah. We'll
2: see. No, yeah. Um, yeah. It'll
1: be all good. <laughs> so we talked about the characters of this film. Let's get into the plot and themes of this film. Of which I actually think some of the themes of this movie are really great. We've touched on them a little bit, but. I really love what this movie says. What do you guys think?
0: I really agree with you. Um, I mean, I feel like we've touched on most of them, which is about how this movie deals with masculinity and um, what that means for um, how that de- how that ties into the depiction of like a black man in this very aggressive sport. Um, I do want to talk about this really great article I read that I can't remember what publication it was but it was speaking about how the Rocky movies were this sort of epitome of, um, you know, white male ta- uh, masculinity trying to take create their own hero in the face of the boxing um, sport kind of being overtaken by you know, minorities. Like at the time of, you know, the big boxing boom in the 80s, Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer of all time, and Rocky was kind of that... Re- reaction to that in that you know we could have this white um uh you know scrappy guy beats this muhammad ali stand in an apollo creed i thought that was so that was so interesting to me because it 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 shows to show that you know in philly they have a statue of rocky and not any real life boxer but of a fictional boxer so it so that was something that I think that Creed really has a re- bigger verse on, more so the first Creed than this Creed. But um, that's just something that I thought was really fascinating.
1: Yeah, um, and I also think like along with masculinity, like the themes of like fatherhood in this movie mm-hmm. are really good. Um, with like Adonis as a new father and Ivan as a father um, as like a single father, Rocky as like a surrogate father, um, Adonis dealing with the death of his father like there's just a lot of father threads in this movie um and i thought it was in combination with like the exploration of masculinity it was done well and i really liked that um and the idea of kind of like separating yourself from the past and like your parents are, like, a legacy. Um, which, again, is nothing new in storytelling. There's always, like, the whole, again, like, this is not my dream, Dad, it's yours! Um, I don't know why that was, like, a high-pitched five-year-old boy <laughs> voice. A but prepubescent boy. <laughs> prepubescent Adonis. Um, but, like, the idea that, like, you know, Adonis has to grapple with, like, his father's death and, you know, who he is separate from him um, and what he can achieve himself, um, and so I just thought it was, it was, I thought, like, I think, like you said, H D it's very on the nose, this movie doesn't have quite a bit of, like, it doesn't have nuance to it with these discussions, um, which it could have used more of, I think, but at the same time, I still liked what it was saying, and that it was saying it, like, competently in that you know, wasn't afraid to get into these things.
0: Yeah. A lot of these themes do get kind of get hit you across the head. Yeah. Punch you in the face with them. Because There's just all of those moments where you have like intercuts um of like HBO sports interviews, for example. Yes. Where they literally yeah. talk about the plot and like the theme on like why this fight is so significant. Yeah. And I was like, really? That you? was That <laughs> was a lot.
2: They were I was like, like, is there some so, sort of partnership Adonis with Creed.
0: HBO sports in this or something? They had the well in
2: the first one. They did a very similar, but it was only uh, like a ten, like a five minute thing. Um, it's like the very beginning of, but it wasn't about Creed. It was about the other guy. Um, yeah, I think they were like, "So, Adonis Creed, how do you feel about the death of your father <laughs> and the murderer come with a son coming back to America
1: to face you in Philadelphia? What do you? What are your thoughts?" Well, you it's know, it's like they it's have like, to. It's like they had to, like, explain the significance of this to the audience. They were like, yeah. The well, they got they this. did that with the newscast where they were like Victor Creed
2: shouts him out in, you know, calls him out in the, in the newscast. They could have just left it at that because they I like that they did a really good job of, like, incorporating, like footage from the rocky movies into the newscast and because like you know they were filmed like a boxing match and so it works that you could be like here's the footage here's why you, you know for people who may not have seen either all of rocky for or you know if they just know of it as like a cultural lands you know touchstone of the 80s if you know they're like oh yeah that happened and okay this is the story of you know the 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 impact of that legacy
0: yeah, it was definitely, and even during the boxing matches, for example, we had, the announcers were much more prevalent than I think before, um, and they were like, oh, what does this punch mean for Adonis Creed's legacy, or something like that, and it was just, it was Ooh, that so... that rib, <laughs> that
2: broken rib really represents his fragile masculinity.
0: <laughs> it was so on the nose, so much so that it, ir- it irked me several times, and really made me miss Ryan Coogler's just more subtle touch, and how he, in his several like long take fights, really gets down to how visceral and how punishing these fights are, uh, more so than like the bloodbaths that we see in this film. So it's um it, that's something that I could have done without, but I think I'm sure it was necessary for a sequel to something that was like so big as Rocky Four. You need something just as bombastic in this case. But yeah, I mean, I didn't it didn't detract from the movie too much, but it made it. It made it 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 definitely made it like lesser than Creed one.
1: Yeah, a little like it it didn't hit quite as hard. Mm -hmm. Like, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, So how do you
0: think the um, the plot played out here? Um, We talked a little about themes. Uh, How did the structure work for you guys?
2: Did you guys think that there needed to be two Victor Drago fights or should have just been the one at the end.
1: No, I think two was definitely. I necessary. think they should have been The
0: two was necessary to drive like especially Adonis's whole spiral into depression and his grappling with how with his pride and his male pride. That was really necessary. Um I do think that it does get a little slow when we when we get to, into that more internal part of the plot, but I don't know how else they could have done it. Um in a movie that like this that already is like very over very on the nose. So, I think they do it well. Um I think that there's some in the something in the pace that could have been sped up a little bit. But otherwise, I I think the structure worked fine for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think pacing could have been improved a bit, but like mm-hmm yeah I agree. I think like the first fight is necessary because it's exactly the way you expect it to go and it like it shows kind of like Adonis's hubris
2: and it's almost like the beginning of a James Bond movie where they're like they cut you in at the action of like some a, a like a different it could have been like rocky uh not Rocky Creed 1.5 in which he trains for the heavyweight champion title that he actually wins in fact and at the end instead we get the like climax of that not movie, you know
1: yeah yeah and it's like and he's on top of the world like he's mm-hmm. a heavyweight champion he proposes to bianca like they move to la it's his car he's fast. baby on the way yeah it's like all these things like the, the one you know and then it's like suddenly like flash in the past and like the dragos come in and like shatter everything um and i think also like it's important for adonis's arc to have that first fight because like in that first fight adonis is doing things for the wrong reason like, he's fighting Victor specifically because of his father and not, like, for himself or just to, like, have this fight. He's doing, yeah, all for the wrong reasons, and so he loses spectacularly.
2: Um, Yeah, Victor Drago comes in all wreck it Ralph-like and goes, I'm gonna wreck it! And and he wrecks wrecks it.
1: And so you have to, like, you have to get Adonis, like, on a path of, like, doing this for himself and not... For, like, the legacy of his father. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah. So I think, like, the movie hit all the beats it needed to. It just could have done some, like, editing pacing changes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Do we have anything else you want to add about Creed Two before we rate this film?
2: The montages were not as good as the first film's montages. They weren't.
0: They were quite disappointing almost. I didn't get yeah, the, agreed. you know, even when at the end of the the final fight when the Rocky theme kicks in, like that's the one moment of just kind of empowering joy that I felt in like all the montages in Creed 1. That gave that each of those right. gave me that same joy, but here it only came during that that moment yeah. when the Q can and kicks in. And there
2: could be a there could be something to say about that 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 was that might have been deliberate in terms of like that like tension and then release you know if you if you want to look at it artistically in that case but like i understand what you're saying where like creed one has so many amazing emotional powerful moments throughout the film whereas creed two sort of had a really good one at the end of the movie where like, yeah. the rocky well, like theme plays, are, Which every time the rocky theme plays in these films i still get like
1: to uh, oh, yeah. fight something. Oh, yeah. And, like, what are sports movies about? good montages? Yeah. So, like, yeah. this one definitely could have been improved. But, like, yeah, when that Rocky theme came in, I was, like, out of my seat in the theaters. I was, like, pumped. I was emotional. I was, like, living. Also, I just want to say Adonis' entrance in the final fight where Bianca is singing and, like, yeah, leading him. I love that. Yes.
2: Such that was a good, some good moment. Synergy from two content creators. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> content. Loved it. Loved it. Creed is a content creator for HBO and Bianca is apparently a pop star.
0: (laughs) No, but I liked it a lot because that means they're, you know, they're side by side. They're partners in this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. It's very Jay-Z and Beyonce. (laughs) It
0: is. All right. So let us rate this film. Um, Willoughby, what would you rate Creed 2?
2: I believe a letterbox. I gave it a four out of five punches.
1: All right. Anya? I'm going to give it a three-and-a-half out of
0: five. Okay. I will give it a three.
2: Oh, so it's three, 3.5.
0: It is a 3.5. No, po- yes, 3.5. Is 5. it? Yeah. So the Millennial Falcon gives Creed two a 3.5 out of five stars. Punch it. Punch, punch it in, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we head to the last segment of our episode – Uh, We have one more word from our sponsors.
2: The Millennial Falcon is brought to you by the Cold War. It's back, and it's better than ever? (laughs) Bigger than ever? It's worse than ever. It's worse than ever. The Cold War is back, and it's worse than ever.
0: (laughs) All right. Then with that, let's head to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Would be. why don't you start us off? What is your really like this week?
2: So my really like was going to be Wreck-It Ralph 2 because I really liked it. However, last night, my girlfriend and I were watching Monster Factory, which is a video series produced by Polygon with Griffin and Justin McElroy of My Brother, My Brother and Me, who also at the time of all their videos worked at Polygon. like They were like part of the founding like reporting crew. So what Monster Factory is, is basically for a half hour, Griffin and Justin are like fucking around with character creation generators on in video games, so basically, like, they will take like a character from Skyrim or a character from like uh, what's the one, uh Second Life and just like mess with the character creations to make them like like wildly disproportional and hilariously funny monster cr- creature cr- like horrors, and then like uh, play the game like with that character. And it's just really funny. You know, they have a lot to they're really funny like making fun of like their like the the game for allowing them to go so like far with the content creating or with the character creating and it's just a really fun hilarious uh series of videos.
0: All right. That sounds uh, so fun. That sounds so cool. yeah.
1: yeah. That's that's never something I would like think to go watch, mm-hmm. but no, I will I'm send you guys.
2: Game. Where can you watch it? I will send uh you can go to YouTube and just type in Monster Factory and it should show up. But I, I will also I'll send you guys the episode that we watched last night which is just it was a from uh the 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 I guess the I guess it's a game but also like second you know, you guys know Second Life?
0: Yeah, I've heard of yeah.
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. Well they they just like they go in and they play they create the boy mayor of Second Life and he looks ridiculous. And it's super funny, and I, I love the McElroys. They're such a joy and so hilarious, and they're very, fu- very, very funny. Um, and Monster Factory is just, like, another example of how, like, ridiculous they are.
0: All right. Anya, what is your really like this week?
1: All right. The setting. A little town in England. The time. Now. At Christmas. What? The plot. Students in their last year of school. Before going off to university. Trying to figure out. What is going to be next for them. In the world. And then suddenly. Zombies. And then also suddenly. Musical numbers. <laughs> so. Willoughby and H.D. are probably like. Already so annoyed by this. Because I can't stop talking about it. Never not annoyed, But. <laughs> <about it. laughs> My new favorite movie is Anna and the Apocalypse. I love this movie to bits and pieces. Um, It is definitely already in my top ten for the year, by far. Um, So like I said, Anna and the Apocalypse is a little movie set in England during Christmas time when a zombie apocalypse breaks out. And it's also a musical. And that should be enough to sell you. Honestly, it really should. But... It's also just so good. Like, besides its absurd premise, it's a great movie. The cast is exceptionally talented. They're also charming and they have great voices and they, like, commit to their roles 110%. The songs are catchy as fuck. Like, this movie deserves the attention you all gave to La La Land and then some. Like,
2: please. I'm sorry, what's a La La Land? Never heard of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing that came a little movie that came out. It's we don't talk about it. Um it's going to be this year's sing street
0: in which all the music all the songs are superior to everything else that has been released in musicals that year but gets snubbed, yes. by, a basic snubbed and by
1: everyone. Song. Yes. Well, and like and the like the, the songs are like they're not like they're not profound and everything but like they're so good. Like they have no right being as clever and as catchy as they are in this like ridiculous movie, but they're so good. Um And the movie is able to undercut its own absurd premise with, like, genuine emotional scenes and, like, characters who you want to root for and characters who have really great bonds. And you really get attached, and, like, the emotions land in all the right spots. And the movie is both at once able to ground itself while also being like, we're gonna do a big musical number while zombies are eating people in the street. Like... (laughs) This movie is so good. And every time I mention it to someone, they're like, I've never heard of it. And I'm like, I know. Oh, I've heard of it. I'm so glad. I know you want to see it, HT. But it's just like a lot of people haven't heard of this movie and I don't want it to
2: get. It's because it's like an indie movie that doesn't have a huge marketing. And that if if I didn't have, like if I wasn't on the internet as frequently as I am, I probably wouldn't have heard of it because I also don't have cable. So like, it's also not playing in DC right now.
0: Yeah, I've only heard of it because my editor went to uh, saw it at I think Fantastic Sundance, Fest. Uh, Fantastic Fest. Yeah, That's and he like weird. adored it, and he's been talking about it all year because of that.
1: It's so good, and like I've been like, I first heard it through like a PR firm I work with like months and months back, and I'm like, oh, what is this? And I like watched the trailer, and I was like, this looks so fun. And then I saw an early press screening, and now I cannot stop preaching the gospel of Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, And I just want everyone to go see it, because it's so good, and it it shouldn't get lost by all the big Oscar-nominated movies. Like, this movie, it's a tiny little movie, and it deserves to be seen, because it will just make you happy, and it will also make you cry. Warning. So, go see it on the Apocalypse. It's so good. I cannot stop listening to the soundtrack. Ooh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, but
0: I'm catching up on my movies this weekend, and um, I got to see Burning, which is a movie I've been looking forward to for months since it got raves at the Cannes Film Festival earlier this summer. So it's directed by uh, Lee Chang-duk. I think this is, this is the... Yeah, Lee Chang-dong, sorry. And it stars Steven Yeun and Jang Sun-jun. And it's... This is based off a Haruki Murakami short story uh, about a a man who meets another man who says that he burns barns for fun. And it has been adapted to this Korean setting in which it stars uh, this sort of unemployed, aspiring writer who's kind of mild-mannered and um, runs into this girl that from his childhood that he doesn't remember, but he... Immediately becomes obsessed with her after she like after they have sex and then she goes off to Africa for like a trip and she comes back in the arms of Ben, this rich um, Korean man played by Stephen Yun, who's might be a sociopath and is, is very creepy. And he Stephen Yun plays it so well. And uh, after a while, he Stephen Yun confesses to him that he likes to burn greenhouses. And he and Jong Su, um, the main guy. Gets this obsession and like this paranoia with like finding out what greenhouse is like he burns down and just kind of starts stalking him and stuff. And it's so fascinating. It's this unsettling, hypnotic, slow burn of a movie that I think is the best cinematic realization of a Haruki Murakami book that I've seen to date. It captures that um, off putting, lyrical, uh, sort of atmospheric thing that he does in which you can't really trust what he's saying because it's so embedded in his magical realism but also in like these characters who don't really quite make sense and uh, you have that here where like nothing really quite makes sense nothing that this main protagonist hears really actually is like confirmed by other people so this paranoia starts to build and um, even more so than Murakami it almost reminds me of like Hitchcock in a way I was just going to say it sounds very Hitchcockian it is very Hitchcockian it actually is Is almost like a modern day, like remake of Vertigo in a way. It has a lot of elements of Vertigo, and in the end, you're very uncertain of like what really happened and whether it was all in this man's head. Uh, But it's beautifully shot. It's so such a, it really burns in your mind, pun intended. And I absolutely loved it. It's a movie that I'm still thinking about right now, and just kind of. Will not stop thinking about for a while. So, I really liked it. I hope you have you listeners out there get the chance to see it. It's a great film and might be South Korea's first uh, Oscar nomination ever. If they really play not even nomin- like they haven't nomination before. They've never been nominated for an Oscar before. Oh, Suicide Squad has more Oscar nominations than the entire country of South That's Korea. Right. Oh
2: that was God. that was being said when Suicide Squad won an, an Oscar for best makeup.
0: Yeah, they no. really should have pushed The Handmaiden um, two oh, years ago. Yeah, but yeah, they didn't.
2: Yeah,
1: Stu ago was two years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Can you remind us of the title of this new movie, HD? Burning. Burning. All right. It's very uh, good. I definitely want to check it out now. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our episode. Um, if you guys want to come chat with us about anything like Creed Two or other movies you're seeing like Burning or any of the Apocalypse, or if you're watching fun YouTube series like Monster Factory, come chat with us about those things. And we're do that? Willoughby.
2: You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud and where can they find you guys on the internet?
1: You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter.
2: And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter.
1: All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.